and thank you for joining us here at the Covenant Calendar and Prophecy Club. Um, this is a, a section of uh, the Torah to the Trice Ministry, uh, where we bring you the uh, Covenant Calendar as Yahuwah had, you know, set it up from the beginning for us to uh, enjoy and be able to discern uh, how and, and when we're supposed to walk out his feasts and, uh, and count our days so we can bring wisdom into the body. And also, we we uh, we're here to show you show you or at least reveal some of the prophetic um, hidden things in the Bible uh, that um, are usually um, taught by by Brandon. And also, he uses a lot of the Book of Revelation, Ezekiel, uh, Exodus, Genesis. I mean, he he really does a, a wonderful job with uh, bringing out you know some of the things that um, are being presented to us today. You know, because um, Yahuwah does work in cycles. And so he's bringing forth a lot of this information us, to us today. So we'll be able to identify who is in control and who is responsible for the things that we're seeing in today's world. Praise the Most High for that um, and, and watching over his saints and bring judgment to the wicked. So we, we, want, we want to see both things happening. So uh, what a blessing. But anyway, so today, uh, Brandon is going to continue on a part seven, but he's, actually today is going to be the part six. So there will be a nice completion of part seven, uh, which uh, he will uh, finish up in about a couple of weeks or so. So I hope that y'all are are blessed uh, by this uh, teaching. Uh, it is um, the part six of um, of Exodus on my mind, and this is basically uh, he's going to discuss about the plagues of Egypt and uh, how there were you know how Yahuwah was bringing judgment upon you know upon Pharaoh and the Egyptians. And uh, and how that you know parallels with with you know the 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 uh, prof prophecies of Revelation that John the Revelator had. So well, I hope that you all are you know blessed by this teaching and edified by it. And uh, and if you're not signed up with us uh, to join us live, please do so. And you can sign up at tortothetribes.com forward slash connect, and you'll be able to receive weekly invites. Um, where you can join us Friday nights or Shabbat in the mornings. And so we, we, you know, we don't just, you know, go through these type of teachings, but you, we also have time to fellowship, ask questions, and, and also just share information, knowledge, and, and praises and testimonies. So it's a wonderful time to even fellowship and just to hang out with our brothers and sisters in the faith. Well, uh, without further ado, uh, Brandon, whenever you are ready, brother. The floor right. is yours. Appreciate it, Jose. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, I apologize for my voice. I'm still a little bit raspy, but um, I'll try not to clear my throat as much because uh, I think that's rather annoying. So I'll do my best not to. But, um, you know, yeah, as, as Brother Jose was saying, you know, we're going to go ahead and continue with part six of Exodus on my mind. Um, and I titled this uh, which I actually did a series, a short series on the plagues last year. Um, however, all of it didn't uh, get uh, recorded and saved properly. So it's actually a good thing that we're redoing it anyway, because I think it is important to understand um, these, uh, these revelations that are here before us. Um, but I titled it last year, I titled it Plague by Plague. So you've heard of like, you know, announcers play by play, you know, like the basketball or football or something like that. But, you know, so to speak, I'm your prophetic announcer and we're, we're announcing the plague by plague. 
right? Uh, go from there. So, um, <clears throat> you know, that's basically the, um, the uh, you know, so we're going to talk about the plagues of Egypt, of course, you know, there's 10 plagues, we'll talk about that. And we'll talk about the correlation to some of the 21 plagues um, in the in the seals, trumpets and bull judgments of the book of Revelation, and you know how some of them correlate. And we know, you know, we've had this common theme for probably about a year now that we've seen where there's nothing new under the sun, right? Uh, King Solomon tells us <clears throat> that which has been also shall be, and there's nothing new under the sun in Ecclesiastes 1 9. And we also know that Yahweh, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, that Yahweh has declared the end from the beginning. In Isaiah 46, 10, it tells us that as well. So the cycles of Yahuwah are repeating themselves, you know, is basically the theme here. And, <clears throat> you know, it's kind of like Ezekiel's wheel uh, within a wheel, so to speak, right? It just keeps rolling forward. The revelation rolls forward. And, you know, same thing with this situation. So, you know, we talked about a couple of weeks ago, I think it was in uh, part three, where it was Moshe and miracles. We talked about how, um, how Moshe and Aharon were before Pharaoh in Exodus 7, you know, when they threw down the staff, it became a serpent, and the magicians did the same thing, uh, Johns and Jambres, you know, who were the sons of uh, Balaam <coughs> as well. Um, but, you know, one thing I want us to look at, and, and Brother Jose and I did some series on this last year on the two witnesses, and um, you know, so I definitely encourage you to check that out if you if you haven't watched that yet. But Moshe and Amaran are actually prophetic shadow pictures of the two witnesses. <clears throat> now we know that the two witnesses aren't just, you know, like in the Left Behind series, you know, like they show them as just like basically like these two guys who, you know, breathe fire and everything like that. And that's it. But we know that there's there's been greater understanding, greater revelation that's came forward where the two witnesses are known as the two olive trees, the two lampstands, as pictured here. You know, it talks about in Revelation 11, which we know if you follow that all the way back to Ezekiel 37 and Zechariah as well, that you'll find that it's the two houses. You know, it's not just like Moshe and Elijah um, or, you know. Uh, Enoch and, and Elijah or Moses and John or something like that where it's just two guys but it's the two houses it's Ezekiel 37 the two houses of Ephraim and Yehuda coming together as one in Messiah as the 12 tribes right so but Moshe and Aharon are prophetic shadow pictures of that because they faced off against the magicians representing you know, like I said, the false prophet in Pharaoh's court, much like the two witnesses when the Royal Kakodesh is poured out and, and, you know, basically like we get an upgrade, if you will, those who are part of that get an upgrade and then we'll be doing the same thing because <clears throat> right here, you know, and I would encourage everyone, uh, if you haven't recently read through it, I would encourage you to read through Exodus or Shemot, uh, chapters 7 through 12, and look through the plagues, look through the details and see what you uh, glean from it, you know, see what you take from it. Because, you know, the two witnesses will bring down plagues upon 
mystery Babylon upon modern day Egypt, spiritual Egypt, and the beast system and the beast kingdom. Okay. And, <clears throat> you know, just like it says here in Revelation 11, 6, these have power to shut heaven so that no rain falls in the days of their prophecy. And they have power over the waters to turn them to blood and to strike the earth with all plagues as often as they desire. So what we see here is Yahuwah desires to partner and chooses to partner with his creation. He's not asking us to be passive in this. We have a role to play. Just like all the way back in the garden, if you look, he gave, he gave Adam dominion over the earth. He gave him authority, shmiha, over the earth, you know, to, to rule it and reign it, right? And what happened at the fall? He gave it to Satan, right? At the fall, he gave that dominion to Satan, which is why after Yahushua's resurrection, he says at the end of Matthew chapter 28, he says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given unto me, and then he gives us the great commission to go and make disciples and baptize them in his name, right? Why is the authority been given to him? Because he went down and conquered death. He conquered the devil, right? Genesis 3.15 talks about that, that he would crush his head and you shall bruise his heel, right? But the point is, and uh, uh, Brother Jose and I have touched on this, where we actually found uh, references to Elijah in 1 Kings 17, starting in verse 1. And if you actually go back and watch the, the teaching we did uh, on the two witnesses, you'll, you'll get all four of those. But it's referenced in James. It's referenced in, um, in the book of Luke in chapter 4. I think it's verse 25 as well. And it actually gives us a time frame that Elijah prophesied for three and a half years or 1260 days that and he shut heaven so that no rain fell in the days of his prophecy right and then we also know that obviously Moshe had power over the waters of the earth to turn them into blood and to strike the earth with all plagues as often as you know they desired right which we're going to talk about here in a second but that's what I'm talking about here is that Moshe and Aharon can represent you know the two witnesses, okay? The, it's the spirit and empowerment and power of Elijah poured out through the Ruach HaKodesh to do the works of Yahuwah and to bring, it's basically like the special forces. It's, it's Yahuwah's countermeasure against the beast and the beast's kingdom, all right? So we're not taking this lying down is what I'm saying, all right? Don't, don't fear. So, <clears throat> so um, you know, we're going to talk about, you know, the correlation between the plagues of Egypt and the plagues of Revelation, right? So here are your addresses, this is what I call them, of, you know, scripture um, for each plague. So you can have those. I put them in nice and bold because these are smaller. But, you know, of course, we know that plague number one, water turns into blood. Second plague is frogs. Third plague is lice with gnats. Fourth plague is flies. Fifth plague is disease upon livestock. Sixth plague is unhealable boils. Uh, hail and fire, hail and brimstone is the seventh plague. Locusts are the eighth plague. Plague of darkness for three days is the ninth plague. And then, of course, the death of the firstborn, which is when 
you know, the Passover uh, occurs, right? We know that. So let's take a look here. So <clears throat> in Exodus chapter 7, we see here in verse 20 and 21. So um, the first plague is the Nile turned into blood, the fish die, the river stinks, okay? So it, it says, now we're going to talk about a correlation because sometimes Yahuwah will speak to Moshe to speak to Aharon. Then other times Yahuwah will just tell Moshe to do something. Then other times he speaks to both of them to do something. And then even other times Yahuwah just does stuff by himself. Okay, so there is a interdependency, but also an independency sometimes as well. Okay, so in verse verse 19, uh, well, let's start in verse 16, actually. It says, and you shall say to him, this is obviously Yahuwah speaking to Moshe to tell Pharaoh. You shall say to him, Yahuwah, the Elohim of the Hebrews has sent me to you saying, let my people go so that they may serve me in the wilderness but see until yet now you have not listened thus said yahuwah by this you know that i am yahuwah see i am striking the waters which are in the river with the rod that is in my hand and they shall turn to blood the fish in the river shall die and the river shall stink and the mitzrites shall find it impossible to drink the water of the river and yahuwah spoke to moshe say to Aharon, take your rod and stretch out your hand over the waters of Mitzrayim, over the streams, rivers, ponds, over their pools of water, that they become blood. And there shall be blood in all the land of Mitzrayim, in wooden and stone containers, or cisterns even, or jars, you could say. So literally every container that held water, every body of water, if you will, turned into blood, all right? Everything. Now, <clears throat> We also see that the magicians did also, right? In verse 22, the magicians of Mitzrayim did the same thing with their magic, with their sorcery, with their witchcraft. And the heart of Pharaoh was hardened, and he did not listen to them as Yahuwah had said, right? Now, the question we have to ask is, okay, were these just random plagues? Or, you know, was there a purpose? Well, we know that our Elohim is an Elohim of order and not disorder, right? So why blood? Why did the river turn into blood? Well, if we go back into Exodus chapter one, at the end, you know, that's when, um, <clears throat> when the decree went out, you know, for the midwives, hey, if, if a Hebrew uh, boy is, is born, you shall slay him. But if it's a girl, you shall let, let her live, you know, et cetera, right? And then after, after the midwives feared Elohim rather than man, which there's a tip, you know, regarding all these mandates that we have, you know, don't, don't fear what man may do, but fear Yahuwah, right? Exodus 1.17 for more information on that. But um, it says in verse 21, and it came to be because the midwives feared Elohim that he provided households for them. Verse 22, and Pharaoh commanded all his people saying, throw every son who is born into the river and keep alive every daughter. So why the river? Because that is where they had thrown all the boys, all the Hebrew boys 
were thrown into the river. And just like the blood of Abel cried out to Yahuwah in Genesis 4, when Cain slayed him, their blood cries out to Yahuwah as well because their blood was shed because there was all sorts of uh, predators, including like crocodiles and everything like that, that were in the river that obviously would have consumed them. So the water turns into blood as a witness saying, hey, what you thought no one saw, I am seeing. And this is a witness to you that I see and their blood cries out to me. Just like in the fifth seal, if you look in Revelation 6, the, there's that cry of judgment. How long, O Yahuwah, until you avenge our blood upon the earth, right? Upon those who slain us on the earth, right? That's this. It's the same type of uh, cry that's happening there. Okay, so that's why blood. Now, uh, a witness to this in uh, the Book of Revelation, we find in the second trumpet and also in the third bowl. So we're going to kind of be jumping around a little bit. So bear with me, but you know you can always uh, go back and watch it and. Um, uh, you know, I have all the uh, all the addresses of scripture here for you as well. But uh, Revelation 8, 8 says, And the second messenger sounded, and what looked like a great mountain burning with fire was thrown into the sea, and a third of the sea became blood, and a third of the living creatures in the sea died, and a third of the ships were destroyed. Okay? So, you know, and this is... Uh, a meme that I got off the internet, you know, second trumpet, something like a great mountain burning with fire, thrown into the sea, you know, maybe it's tied to wormwood, we don't know, we know there's stuff that comes down from the throne room, right, and a third of the sea turned into blood, a third of the sea creatures die, and they're hypothesizing or postulating that possibly it causes a mega tsunami, and that's why the ships are destroyed, that's definitely possible, I mean, that's not out of the realm of possibility for sure, and then in Revelation 16, Three and four, it says, And the third messenger poured out his bowl on the rivers and on the fountains of water, and they became blood. And I heard the messenger of the water saying, You are, uh, you are righteous, O Yahuwah, uh, the one who is, who is, who was, and who shall be, because you have judged these. Uh, sorry, I've missed verse three. And the second messenger poured out his bowl on the sea, and it became as blood, as of a dead one. And every living creature in the sea died. So it was progressive. At first, it was a third of the, the sea creatures died in the second trumpet. But now we see in the, third, in the second and third bulls that every creature in the sea dies. And it's the blood of a dead man. So not the blood of a man alive where it's vibrant and, and red and full of oxygen, full of life. We know that Leviticus 17 tells us life is in the blood, right? That's where life is found. But, and that's why the blood of Mashiach, blood of Yahushua is so powerful and potent, right? And is able to save. But it was the blood of a dead man. It was coagulated blood. It stank, okay? So it's the same, <clears throat> same correlation here. So let's move on. So the second plague is, of course, frogs, okay? And Exodus 8, uh, 1 through 15 says, And Yahweh spoke to Moshe, Go to Pharaoh and say to him, Thus said Yahweh, Let my people go that they may serve me. 
But if you refuse to let them go, see, I'm smiting all your border with frogs. And the river shall swarm with frogs, which shall go up and come into your houses, into your bedroom, into your bed, into the houses of your servants, on your people, into your ovens, and in your kneading bowls even. And the frogs shall come upon you and on your people and all your servants. And verse 5 says, and Yahweh said, Satan, Ahran. So this is the second time now where it's a message from Yahweh to Moshe to Satan, Ahran. Stretch out your hand over the, over the streams, over the rivers, over the ponds, and cause frogs to come up on the land of Mitzrayim. So Aharon stretched out his hand over the waters, and the frogs came up and covered the land of Mitzrayim. Verse 7, very important. And the magicians did so with their magic, and they brought frogs up on the land of Mitzrayim. And then Pharaoh called to Moshe and Aharon, pray to Yahuwah to take away the frogs from me. Uh, and from my people, and I shall let the people go and slaughter to Yahuwah. And then, uh, and then, um, you know, so the magicians did so with their enchantments, their magic as well. Okay. So again, they're able to uh, mimic what they're doing. All right. Now, the revelation witness of this is Revelation 16, the sixth bowl. Uh, 12 through 16 says this and the sixth messenger poured out his bowl on the great river Euphrates his water was dried up in order to prepare the way for the kings from the east and I saw coming out of the mouth of the dragon out of the mouth of the beast and out of the mouth of the false prophet three unclean spirits as frogs for they are spirits of demons doing signs we know they're lying signs and wonders right which go out to the kings of the entire world to gather them together to the battle of the great day of Yahuwah, the almighty El Shaddai. We know it as the battle of Armageddon, right? So these, these demonic spirits go out performing lying signs and wonders and cause all the kings of the earth to show up to be slaughtered is essentially what's going on there, right? And be slaughtered, indeed, they will. All right. Uh, third plague, lice. Okay. Exodus chapter 8, <clears throat> verses 16 through 19, says this, And Yahweh said, say to Aharon, uh, stretch out your hand, your rod, again, and strike the dust of the land so that it becomes gnats in all the land of Mitzrayim. And they did so, and Aharon stretched out his hand with his rod and struck the dust of the earth, and it became gnats on men and beasts. And the dust of the earth became gnats in all the land of Mitzrayim. And the magicians did similarly with their magic to bring forth gnats, but they were unable. They were unable. And there were gnats on man and beast. And the magicians said to Pharaoh, this is the finger of Elohim. But the heart of Pharaoh was hardened, and he not, did not listen to them as Yahweh had said. So here's the distinguishing, all right? So we're going to talk about Satan's capacity, Satan's capacity, all right? See, they were able to, <clears throat> you know, change, you know, water into blood, you know, because it's not a creation thing. It's just a, a, ch a change of its environment, right? 
that, or, you know, maybe they poured like some type of powder in the water and made it look like blood or something like that. But somehow they made, they, they did turn water into blood, just like Moshe and Aharon did. Right. And the same thing with the frogs, they were able to bring the frogs up out just the way that Moshe and Aharon were, but that's because they were mimicking. But as soon as creative power is involved, then they can't do anything because the lying signs and wonders don't work like that. See, Satan has no power to create anything. He can only mimic what Yahweh does, and he can only twist and pervert what Yahweh has created. Because we know that on the seventh day, or at the end of every day in creation, Yahweh saw and it was good, right? So we know that everything that Yahweh created was good. And, you know, but there's many things that Satan uh, mimics and perverts and twists and, and changes, right? So what was happening here, <clears throat> now what's interesting is, is that it's dust becoming something living. Now, isn't that what Yahweh did in the garden? He said, let us make man in our image, both male and female, he made them, right? And he took the dust of the earth and formed Adam, man, in his image. So he took the dust, a, a, something that is um, lifeless, and made it come to life after he breathed his breath into his nostrils, right? And it became a living soul, a nefesh in, in Hebrew. So the dust was becoming, going from lifeless to something of life in the lice and that's why the magicians weren't able to do it because again they don't have the power so they said that's when they distinguished they told pharaoh this is the finger of elohim like basically this isn't you know we're in over our heads is what they, what they were saying like we can't do this um this is above our pay grade if you will right well where else have we seen the finger of elohim well if you look over in daniel chapter 5 with Belshazzar, he's sitting there and he's taking the, <clears throat> the elements of the temple, you know, the golden goblets and everything like that, cups of the temple, and he's sitting there having wine and, you know, having all sorts of debauchery in the, in the room of his palace. And, and all of a sudden, he sees the finger on the wall, right? And this was, this was Pharaoh's moment where basically Yahuwah was telling him like, hey, the, the writing's on the wall. Like, you better recognize who you're dealing with. You said earlier when, when you know, I sent my servants to you that you don't know who I am, that you've never heard of this Yahuwah before, nor will you let his people go. Well, let me introduce myself. This is me. <laughs> and this is what I'm going to do to you, if not just to you, but to your entire kingdom, if you do not let my people go. So basically, this was, this was Yahuwah. This was Pharaoh's sign of like, hey, you, you better recognize who you're dealing with because I'm more powerful than any of your sorcerers and magicians and, and uh, enchantments and spells and et cetera, okay? That's what was going on. And the magicians knew it. Like the, this was the sign that the magicians were like, okay, yeah, the writing's on the wall. We're being judged. That's basically what, the, what was going on there, all right? Now... Uh, the fourth plague. So the fourth plague 
there's actually a distinguish that's made. Very important distinguish. So it says in verse 20, and Yahweh said to Moshe, rise early in the morning. So again, this is Yahweh specifically saying to Moshe, not to say to Aharon. We see the difference there, right? But Yahweh said to Moshe, rise early in the morning, stand before Pharaoh as he comes out to the water, and say to him, thus said Yahweh, let my people go that they may serve me. Or else, if you do not let my people go, see him sending swarms of flies on you, your servants, your people, into your houses, and the houses of Mitzrayah shall be filled with swarms of flies, also on the ground on which they stand. And in that day, <clears throat> I shall separate the land of Goshen in which my people dwell, that no swarms of flies shall be there, so that you know that I am Yahuwah am in the midst. And I shall put distinction between my people and your people. Tomorrow, this shall be a sign. Tomorrow, this sign shall be. And Yahuwah did so, and thick swarms of flies came into the house of Pharaoh, his servants' houses, and all the land of Mitzrayim. And the land was ruined because of the swarms of flies. And Pharaoh called to Moshe and Aharon and said, Go, slaughter to your Elohim. And Moshe said, It is not right to do so, for we will be slaughtering the abomination of the Mitzrites to Yahuwah our Elohim. See, if we slaughter the abomination of the Mitzrites before their eyes, would they not stone us? Let us go three days' journey into the wilderness. Then we shall slaughter to Yahuwah our Elohim as he commands us. And Pharaoh said, I'm letting you go. Then you slaughter to your Elohim in the wilderness. Only do not go very far away. Pray for me. And Moshe said, see, when I leave you, I shall pray to Yahuwah. And tomorrow the swarm of flies shall depart from Pharaoh from his servants and his people, but do not let Pharaoh deceive again, deceive and not let the people go to slaughter to Yahuwah. And Moshe went out from Pharaoh and prayed to Yahuwah. And Yahuwah did according to the word of Moshe and removed the swarm of flies from Pharaoh and from his servants and from his people, and not one remained. But Pharaoh hardened his heart this time as well and did not let the people go. So you see, Yahweh wants to partner with his creation, right? Now, last year, I really felt that where we were at <clears throat> was that um, earlier last year, um, you know, before things really got kicked off, so to speak, with the whole COVID thing, was we were at that point where um, in Revelation 4 and 5, where it talks about where there's the agreement, there's the, a cry of agreement in heaven that you are worthy to take the scroll and to loose its seven seals because you were slain. You know, it's that, it's that cry of, a, of agreement from the hosts of heaven to the one who was slain, the lamb, right? You are worthy to take the scroll and to loose its seven seals. Why? Because you were slain. So there's, there's a role that we play. And by the Spirit, by the Ruach HaKodesh, we join in agreement with our King. That we trust Him. We trust Him to come back. And we trust that He is worthy to take the seven scrolls, or to take the scroll and to loose its seals. That He's in control. We know that He's in control. So we don't just sit back idly. Again, we, we got to tap into this because He's calling us to do so, just like he called Moshe and Aharon to do, all right? Remember, go back to Revelation eleven six. 6. 
They had power to call fire down from heaven upon their enemies and also to call down plagues as often as they pleased. So <clears throat> we have an important role to play for sure. But let's talk about this. So in that day, so before this, the first three plagues, the, the blood that was experienced, that even affected the waters of Goshen, right? Where the Israelites or the Hebrews stayed. The uh, frogs, that affected also those in Goshen as well. The gnats, that also affected those in Goshen as well. But this is the first time where there's a distinguishing. In that day, I will set apart my people from where my people dwell. No swarms of flies shall be there in order that you know that I am Yahuwah and in the midst of the land. I will make a difference between my people and your people. Tomorrow this shall be a sign. Now, a revelation that he recently gave me, I think it was last week or maybe the week before, is that if we want the benefits and protection of Goshen, we had better be set apart, Kodesh, holy from Egypt like Goshen was. Because guess what? If the Israelites, if the Hebrews would have been hanging out in Egypt with Egypt, then would they have been set apart? Would they have been protected? Or would they have been succumbed to the plagues just like Egypt did? Well, we know Revelation 18.4 says, come out of her, my people, lest you face her plagues as well. That's the call, the clarion call that we've been talking about. Come out of her, my people. Set yourselves apart. Be holy as I am holy, as this um, tour portion this week has even talked about. That's what it's all been about, all throughout the, the scriptures that we've been reading. Be holy. Be Kodesh as I am Kodesh, right? So in... Um, and this is the setting apart here in the book of Revelation. There's not necessarily a plague about flies, but there is the set apartness, right? It says in Revelation 7, 1 through 8, the 144,000 are sealed. Yasharel is sealed. 7, verse 2 and 3. Then I saw another angel ascending from the east, having the seal of, El, of the living El, Elohim. And he cried out with a loud voice to the four angels, to whom it was granted to do to do, harm the earth and the sea, saying, do not harm the earth and the sea of the trees until we have sealed the servants of Elohim on their foreheads. So just like the beast has his mark or his seal, Yahuwah has his. And in <clears throat> Song of Solomon chapter 8, it's a, de a declaration from the beloved to King Solomon, which is a representation of the bride to Yahushua, saying, I have set you as a seal upon my heart, as a seal upon my arm. For there is love that is as strong as death and jealousy demanding as the grave. And many waters cannot quench this love. That's what it talks about. I think it's uh, chapter 8, verse 6, I want to say. So if you have set him as a seal upon your heart, if you have put, went into that, that place of intimacy, that place of prayer, that place of worship, that place of fellowship with him, then you are his and he is yours, right? And you're not, you're, you're Kodesh, you're, you're set apart. That's what it's all about. That's why we came out of 
the Christian church, the religions of Babylon and everything else, right? That's what it's all about, being Kodesh, be set apart. All right, plague number five, pestilence upon the livestock. <clears throat> Excuse me. Pestilence upon the livestock. Um, Yahuwah said to Moshe, go into Pharaoh and speak to him. Thus said Yahuwah, the Elohim of Hebrews, let my people go so that they serve me. If you refuse to let them go and still hold them, see the hand of Yahuwah is upon your livestock in the field, on the horses, the donkeys, the camels, and on the cattle and on the sheep, a very grievous pestilence. And Yahuwah shall separate between the livestock of Yasharel and the livestock of Misraim, let no matter uh, and let no matter die of all that belongs to the children of Israel. And Yahuwah set an appointed time in Moedim, saying, "Tomorrow Yahuwah is going to do this word in the land." And Yahuwah did this word on the next day, and all the livestock of Misraim died, but the livestock of the children of Yasharel, not one died. Then Pharaoh sent and see, not even one of the livestock of the Israelites was dead, but the heart of Pharaoh was hardened and he did not let the people go. So Pharaoh had to see for himself, like, hey, is Yahweh a man of his word, so to speak? So he sent messengers to go and check in Goshen to see if their livestock died or not. So he, again, even with a plague upon livestock, he sets apart those who are his and those who are not. He makes a difference between Israel's livestock and Egypt's livestock, all right? Nothing died that belonged to them, okay? So where do we see this also? Well, if we were to look at the, the third and fourth seals here in Revelation chapter 6, we see, you know, <clears throat> uh, the, the famine that comes to the black horse, you know, and then we also see the pestilence uh, or the pale horse, you know, it's multifaceted, you know, it comes, it says that he who sat on him the name death and Hades followed him and authority was given him over the earth to kill with sword, with hunger, with death or pestilence and by the beasts of the earth. So again, there's, there's a differentiation there, right? And <clears throat> This is what I want to do just real quick is I want to give you um, some hope. You know, I'm all about giving you some hope, giving you a focal point to look at, which is why what's interesting is um, I went back and watched the, the short teaching I did last year on this. And I had talked about how Revelation 4 and 5 is right there so that we know as a focal, that's a focal point on what to focus on when literally all hell is breaking loose around us because we either have a choice we have a choice to make we can either focus on the storm that's all around us you know with what the what you know the vaccines are doing and um how many of our loved ones are taking it or the wars and rumors of wars that are taking place or whatever else they have for us or economic collapse or take your pick right we either focus on the storm around us that's going on around us or we can be like Habakkuk, climb our watchtower and look at the storm that's all around him, which is why two weeks ago we talked about beholding the lamb, because you got to know 
how to get your focal point. Because just like when Stephen was being stoned, was he focused on being the one stoning him? No, he caught a glimpse of the Most High. He caught a glimpse of Yahusha standing. He said, behold, I see the Son of Man standing at the right hand of Yahweh, right? And he had the face of like an angel. So even in the midst of everything going around, we can still have peace. We can still have shalom. The shalom that passes all understanding. It guards our hearts and minds. And that's why we have to learn how to gaze. That's why I've been trying to teach y'all how to gaze, how to engage with the Ruach HaKodesh, how to get into that place of prayer, that place of intimacy where, where you will not be shaken. All right? Psalm 91 says, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High, who abides in the shadow of the Almighty, El Shaddai, he is saying of Yahuwah, my refuge, my stronghold, my Elohim in whom I trust, he delivers you from the snare of the fowler, from the destructive pestilence, he covers you with his feathers, and under his wings you take refuge, he is, his truth is a shield and buckler, you are not afraid, you are not afraid of the dread by night, or the arrow that flies by day, or the pestilence that walks in darkness, or the destruction that ravages at midday. A thousand shall fall at your side, and ten thousand at your right hand, but it does not come near you. Only with your eyes will you look and see the reward of the wicked. Because why? You have made Yahweh my refuge, the Most High, your dwelling place. No evil befalls you. A plague does not come near your tent, for he commands his messengers concerning you to guard you in all of your ways. They will bear you up in their hands, lest you dash your foot against a stone. You tread upon lion and cobra and young lion and serpent and trample underfoot. And this is the message that Yahuwah says to us, <clears throat> that he gave to David to give to us. Because he cleaves to me in love, Therefore, I deliver him, and I set him on high, because he has known my name. When he calls upon me, I will answer him. I am with him in distress. I will deliver him and esteem him. With all life, I will satisfy him and show him my deliverance. Didn't you used to say, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age or the end of the earth, right? Hallelujah. So you shall not be afraid of the terror by night. You shall not be afraid of the arrow, the missiles that fly by day, nor the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor the destruction that lays waste at noonday. So don't worry. Don't have fear. Have faith. Those are our two options, right? All right, let me hurry up. Plagues. <clears throat> Number six, boils. Exodus chapter nine, verses eight through 12 says, <clears throat> whoops, that was Genesis. I almost read to Genesis. <laughs> there we go, boils. And Yahweh said to Moshe, fill your hands with ashes from a furnace and let Moshe scatter it towards the heavens before the eyes of Pharaoh. And it shall become fine dust in all the land of Mitzrayim and shall cause boils to break out on sores of man and beast and all the land of Mizraim. And, and this time it knocks the magicians even off their feet. 
It says, so, so they took ashes from the servant furnace and stood before Pharaoh and Moshe scattered them towards the heavens and they caused boils and breaking out in sores on man and beast. And the magicians were unable to stand before Moshe because of the boils. For the boils were on the magicians and on all the Mitzrites. But Yahweh hardened the heart of Pharaoh and he did not listen to them. And as Yahweh had said to Moshe, Okay, and what is our <clears throat> our um, reference here? Well, we know in Revelation 16, 2, that those who take the mark of the beast, they get the wrath, the bulls of wrath, so to speak, right? Then the first messenger went and poured out his bull upon the earth, and a foul and loathsome sore came upon the men who had the mark of the beast and those who worshiped his image. Now, what's interesting is if you look at some of these reactions or side effects, as they call them, of some of these jabs, you know, people who have taken the Pfizer, AstraZeneca, J&J, uh, and Moderna, you know what I'm talking about, um, they've actually been having these loathsome sores and boils because they took the mark of the beast that defiled their temple. So are we seeing this already happening now, where they're having these boils, these loathsome sores that they can't um, get away from? Very interesting, for sure. <clears throat> Plague number seven. Hail, fire and brimstone, if you will, right? Uh, it says uh, in verse 13, rise early in the morning, stand before Pharaoh and say to him, thus said Yahuwah, the Elohim of Hebrews, let my people go so that they may serve me. For at this time, I'm sending all my plagues unto your heart. And on your servants, on your people, so that you know there is no one like me in all the earth. Before you didn't even know my name, but I'm introducing myself very well. Now, if I had stretched out my hand and struck you and your people with pestilence, then you would have been cut off from the earth. So basically he's saying, you ain't seen nothing yet. Now I'm really getting started. And for this reason, this right here, and I didn't even touch on this last night, so y'all are getting bonus material. But and for this reason, I have raised you up. Why? In order to show my power and in order to declare my name in all the earth. That is why the end time Pharaoh of the Antichrist and the Messiah is raised up to show Yahweh's power and declare his name in all the earth, just like he's raised up pharaoh during this time during the plagues you you still exalt yourself against my people and that you do not let them go see tomorrow about this time i'm causing heavy hail to rain down such as not been seen in mitzrayim from the day of its founding until now now sin bring your livestock to safety all that you have in the field for hail shall come down on every man and on every beast which is found in the field and is not brought home, they shall die. And it says, uh, skip down to verse 22. It says, stretch out your hand towards the heavens and let there be hail in all the land of Mitzrayim, on man and beast and on every plant of the field throughout the land of Mitzrayim. Then Moshe stretched out his rod towards the heavens and Yahweh sent thunder and hail and fire came down or brimstone, fire and brimstone came down on the earth and Yahweh rained hail on all the land of Mitzrayim. So there's this warning that goes out. It's kind of interesting, you know, basically like, hey, 
it was like it was like uh yahoo's mercy his rehameen you know where he's like you better tell everybody who's out in the field to come inside the house because i'm about to rain fire down and brimstone down upon all of them and they shall die if they're out in the field and on your livestock as well right and the same thing happens with uh revelation 11 and also uh revelation 16 as well <clears throat> excuse me um it says ver verse 18 we'll start there uh and the nations were enraged your wrath has come in the time of the dead to be judged and to give the reward to your servants the prophets and to the kodashim the set apart ones to those who fear your name small and great and to destroy those who would destroy the earth and the dwelling place of elohim was open the tabernacle in heaven and the ark of the covenant was seen in his dwelling place and there came to be lightnings voices thunderings and an earthquake and great hail and then in revelation 16 verse 17 through 21 it says the seventh messenger so this seventh seventh plague is also the seventh trumpet it's also the seventh bowl as well seven 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 all throughout it all the same and the seventh messenger poured out his bowl upon the air which is interesting because what is Satan? What is he known for? One of his titles, the prince and the power of the air that Ephesians 2 talks about, right? So it's like he's pouring out upon Satan's principalities, his kingdom, and a loud voice out of the dwelling place of heaven from the throne saying, it is done. And there came to be noises and thunderings and lightnings. And there came to be a great earthquake, such a mighty and great earthquake had it not been since uh, men were on the earth. And the great city became divided into three parts, and the cities of the nations fell. And great Babylon was remembered before Elohim to give her the cup of the wine of the fierceness of his wrath. And every island fled away, and every mountain were not found. And great hail fell upon men, every hailstone about the weight of a talent, and men blaspheming. Elohim for the plague of hail because that plague was exceedingly great, right? I mean, can you imagine every island being removed from its place and every mountain not being found anymore? What kind of power that is? All right, let's move on. <clears throat> plague of locusts, chapter 10. It says, um, and Yahuwah said to Moshe, go into Pharaoh, for I have hardened his heart and the hearts of his servant, so now, so that now I show these signs of mine before him, and that you relate in the hearing of your son and your son's son what I have done in Mitzrayim, and my signs which I have done among them, that you shall know that I am Yahuwah. And Moshe and, Yahuwah, and Aaron came to Pharaoh and said to him, Thus said Yahuwah Elohim of Hebrews, tell when shall you refuse to humble yourself before me? Let my people go so that they may serve me. Or else, else if you refuse to let my people go, see tomorrow I'm bringing locusts within your borders and they shall cover the surface of the land. So no one was able to see the land. They shall eat the rest of what has escaped, which remains from the hail, which I sent earlier, just before, and they shall eat every tree that grows up out of the field. 
Then you shall fill, and they shall fill all your houses and the houses of all your servants and all the Mitzrites, which your neither your fathers nor your father's fathers have seen since the day that they were on this earth to this day. Then he turned and went out from Pharaoh. And even Pharaoh's servant said this. And Pharaoh's servant came to him and said, Tell when would this one be a snare to us? Let the men go so that they may serve their Yahuwah, their Elohim. Do you not yet know that Mitzrayim is destroyed? So even, even his servants were saying, like, dude, let him go. Like, our, our kingdom is destroyed. Your kingdom is destroyed. But pride was in his heart. It, it was hardened. He couldn't even see that it would, had gotten that bad. Now, if you look in the book of Joel, in Joel chapter 1, you'll see uh, locust armies there as well. But the one that we're going to focus on is the fifth trumpet, known as the fifth trumpet. In Revelation chapter 9, verse 1 through 11, interestingly enough, says the fifth messenger sounded. And I saw a star from the heaven, from the Shamayim, which had fallen to the earth. And the key of the pit, uh, the bottomless pit, was given to it. And he opened the pit of the deep. And smoke went up out of the pit, and smoke of a great furnace. And the sun was darkened, and also the air because of the smoke of the pit. And out of the smoke came locusts upon the earth and authority was given to them as scorpions of the earth to possess authority and it was said to them that they should not harm the earth or the grass of the earth nor any green matter nor any tree but only those men who do not have what the seal of elohim upon their foreheads and it was given to them that they should not kill them but to torture them for five months and their torture was like the torture of a scorpion when it stings a man. And in those days, men shall seek death and shall not find it. They shall long to die, but death will flee from them. And then if you skip down, um, it says and verse 10, and they have tails like scorpions and stings. And in their tails, their authority to harm men five months. And they have a king over them, the Angel of the bottomless pit, whose name is in Hebrew is Abaddon, but in Greek has the name Apollyon. Now, what's really interesting is that right now, with uh, CV 19, if you break it down, and I know I've done this before, but I'm just going to do it again real quick. If we break down the word COVID in the 19, it literally is talking about this. You have the C. Well, C alphanumerically is three. Strong's G3 is linked directly to Abaddon, Apollyon, the destroyer, the angel of the bottomless pit, which takes you directly to Revelation 9, verse 11. And we have a choice. We can either have, you choose which king you have, either the Revelation 9, 11 king or the Hebrews 9, 11 king. I'll let y'all go look that up. But so we have C, we have Abaddon, the destroyer, the angel of the bottomless pit. We have Ovid, which in Latin means sheep or the sheep, right? So you have COVID right there. Then you have 19, Strong's 19 in the Hebrew means to slaughter. So you literally have COVID-19 means Abaddon, the destroyer, the angel of the bottomless pit, the sheep to the slaughter. And what do we have right now? Now, Right now, you know, and I even had someone uh, mocking me on a post this week saying that, you know, his, his mother, um, you know, miraculously 
didn't turn into uh what did he say uh, a zombie or yeah i think he said a zombie or oh no a reptile that's what he said he said yeah miraculously my mom uh took took the jab and didn't turn into a reptile you know and it's like okay y'all y'all think it's funny to play with the most high no it's not because what's going to happen is just like right now it, it, it's a delayed judgment okay but what are the wages of sin the wages of sin are death the bible tells us right and just like esau he didn't know when he got that bowl of soup that bowl of lentils from jacob that it didn't just cost him his birthright but it would cost him also his inheritance right that's why i covered it in exodus chapter one or in part one of exodus on my mind right we also look at samson well samson he went to do what he had done before but the spirit had left him and he knew it not until he tried to do what he did before but there's going to be a day beloved there's going to be a catalyst that sets off whatever it is and then these men and women who have taken the mark of the beast they are going to long for death and they are and death will flee from them they will long to die and won't be able to and they will be tortured just like it says in the bible in revelation 9 verse 1 through 11 for five months so is it worth it to tempt the most high? No, it's not, in my opinion. Plague nine, darkness. Exodus chapter 10, verse 21 through 29 says this. <clears throat> and, Moshe, and Yahweh said to Moshe, stretch out your hand towards the heavens and let there be darkness over the land of Mitzrayim, a darkness which is felt. So it wasn't just a physical darkness, but it was also most likely a spiritual darkness as well. And, and Moshe stretched out his hand towards the heavens. And there was a thick darkness in all the land of Mitzrayim for three days. They did not see one another, nor did they arise from this place for three days, while all the children of Israel had light in their dwellings hallelujah and pharaoh called to moshe and said go serve yahweh only leave your flocks and your herds behind let your little ones go with you too but moshe said you yourself are to provide for us with slaughterings and burnt offerings to prepare for yahweh our elohim and our livestock are to go with us too not a hoof is to be left behind for we have to take them take some of them to serve yahweh our elohim and ourselves do not know with what we are to serve our Yahweh our Elohim until we come there. However, Pharaoh, Yahweh hardened Pharaoh's heart and he would not let them go. And Pharaoh said to him, get away from me, watch yourself and see my face for no more. For in the day you see my face, you die. And Moses said, you have spoken rightly. Never again do I see your face. So, oops, go back. So we have here, again, the distinguishing of darkness of the land. Now, in the movie, I love in the movie of uh, the Prince of Egypt, where it actually shows all the darkness coming upon the land during this plague. But then over off in the distance, you see this glowing light because, like it says, he differentiated. Because ever since the fourth plague, Israel has been Kodesh. They've been set apart. The land of Goshen's been set apart. So every plague that was felt in Mitzrayim was not felt 
in Goshen, it was set apart ever since the fourth plague, right? The children of Israel had light in their dwellings. Of course they did because Yahushua is the light of the world, right? He's the light. That's the light that they had. They had him in them, right? So then we look over here at um, Revelation 8, 12, and 13. It says, And the fourth messenger sounded, and a third of the sun was struck, and a third of the moon, a third of the stars, so that a third of them were darkened, and a third of the day did not shine, and likewise the night. And I looked. Uh, no, I'll skip that one. I don't even need that. But um, it was Revelation 8, 12. And then 16, verse 10 and 11 says this, And they blasphemed. Oh, sorry. And the fifth messenger poured out his bull on the throne of the beast and on his kingdom and became it became darkened and they gnawed their tongues from pain and blaspheming the elohim of the heaven for their pains and their sores and did not repent of their works okay because of the darkness because it was so dark because we know just like in genesis chapter one that elohim separates the light from the darkness he called the light day and the darkness he called night, right? Same thing. See, the world has told us this lie of a gray area, right? Where it's like, hey, I can kind of have my cake and eat it too, if you will. I can get the kingdom while holding on to some of the things of this world. You know, I'll let go of some of it. But no, Yahweh is showing us through this that he's separating because he separates the sheep from the goats. He separates the wheat from the tares. He separates the light from the darkness. There is no gray, none. If you were lukewarm, he said, I wish that you were either hot or cold, but because you are neither hot nor cold, I spew you out of my mouth. And through these testings and through these jabs, if you will, he's doing just that, but they don't even know it yet. They think that everything's fine. They're still going to church and they're raising their hands in the same building that they got vaccinated in. They're raising their hands in worship, thinking that they still have a connection to him. But my people perish for lack of knowledge. Tenth plague, death. We're almost done here. Apologize, I went a little longer than I expected. <clears throat> but Exodus 12, 29 through 30. I'm not going to tell the whole Passover story. Um, you guys, we, we just, you know, went through that, obviously, a couple of weeks ago. Um, but I'll tell what's pertinent to right here. And it came to be at midnight that Yahweh smote all the firstborn of the land of Mitzrayim, from the firstborn of Pharaoh, who sat on his throne, to the firstborn of the captive who was in the dungeon, and all the firstborn of the livestock. And Pharaoh rose up in the night, he and all his servants and all the Mitzrites, and there was a cry in Mitzrayim. For there was not a house where there was not a dead one. Then he called for Moshe and Aharon by night. Arise, go out from the midst of my people, both you, your children of Israel. Go and serve Yahweh as you have said. Take both your flocks and your herds as you said and go. Then you shall bless me too. So finally, he releases. He lets them go, right? Now, What's interesting is there's this cry in all the land of Egypt. Well, Jeremiah 23 talks about there's a cry in all of Ramah because Rachel cannot be comforted because her children are no more. And it speaks about, because obviously there's a cry in all of Egypt 
earlier in Exodus chapter one, when they slayed all the male Hebrew children and threw them into the water, right? So Yahweh was getting them back for, he's like, hey, you killed my children. Now I'm killing your children, right? Or if I was being nicer, I would say, you took my children. Now I'm taking your children is what it is, right? And then we know in uh, Matthew two and, and Luke as well, where during Yahushua's birth, that Herod slays all the, the uh, toddlers who were, you know, two, two years and younger, all the boys that are two years and younger. And there's a great cry then as well. So you can see the correlation of what's happening, right? Now, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, now, if we look real briefly at Ezekiel chapter 9, um, it talks about, um, he said in verse, verse one, he says, and he, he called out in my hearing and with a loud voice saying, let the punishers of the city draw near each with his weapon of destruction in his hand. And look, six men from the destruct direction of the upper gate, which faces North, each with his battle ax in his hand. And one man in their midst was clothed with linen, had a writer's inkhorn at his side. And they came and stood beside the bronze altar. And the esteem of the Elohim of Israel went up from the cherub where it had been to the house, through the threshold of the house. And he called to the man clothed with linen who had the writer's ink horn at his side. And, said, and Yahweh said to him, pass on into the midst of the city, into the midst of Yerushalayim, and you shall put a mark on the foreheads of all the men who sigh and cry over all the abominations that are done within it. And, they, and to the others, he said in my hearing, pass on into the city after him and smite. Do not let your eye pardon nor spare. Slay to destruction the old, the young men, the maidens, the children, and the women. But do not come near anyone who has upon, upon whom is the mark. And begin at my set-apart place. So they began with the elders who were in front of the house. So the destroyers are sent. They slay the old, the young, the women, women and children, etc. during Ezekiel chapter 9 here. But now Matthew did a teaching on this, how he talked about how, see, you either are marked with the, the blue ink, you know, of the, the, the first one, and you are his, you were sealed unto him, or you are marked with the blood-tipped tav of death, and you are marked for death. You're either marked for him, or you're marked for death. The choice is ours upon how we respond, how we obey, right? And we know we talked about the pale horse, that <clears throat> Revelation 6, 8, a quarter of the earth perishes from sword, famine, pestilence, and the beasts of the earth. And we also know that the four angels that are bound in the river Euphrates, that they were released in Revelation chapter 9, verse 14 through 15. It says, and the sixth messenger sounded, and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar, which is above, which is before Elohim, saying to the sixth messenger who had the trumpet, release the four messengers, those who have been bound at the river Euphrates, and the four messengers, who, those having been prepared for the day, hour, month, and year, were released to kill a third of mankind. 
So again, those who death is coming for those who don't serve him, who don't fear him, right? Those who are playing games, death is coming. So here is a <clears throat> kind of a quick detailed comparison that I got off the internet, you know, a side-by-side, -side, nice and neat that you can, you know, you can look at your, for your further, further reference. Um, you can see um, how the plagues are tied here in the addresses of where you find them in um, Revelation. And then how the third and fourth plague, there's no mention of, you know, gnats, there's no mention of flies, uh, pestilence, there's no mention of a plague of pestilence upon livestock, but livestock may die off with crops getting ruined, with the black horse of famine, and food gets too expensive, etc. The festering boils, we talked about that, festering ugly, loathsome sores upon those who take the mark of the beast, hail and lightning, you can see all those, the locusts, we talked about that, the darkness, kingdom of the beast plunged into darkness, which is what he did to Pharaoh. Death of one-third of the human race from the four angels of death, right? <clears throat> but real briefly, let's talk about why he did this. Why did he use the plagues that he used? Well, if you look here, Canum is the guardian of the river's life source. Happy was the spirit of Nile. Osiris was the Nile was his bloodstream. So they were, this plague was able to be duplicated by the Egyptians. It occurs in Goshen, where the Israelites lived, and dead fish and putrid smell took place. The frogs, well, Happy and Heck were fraud, a frog goddess to Egypt, and both related to fertility, much like Ishtar. We know her as Easter or Ashtaroth, you know, the, the um, bare-breasted fertility goddess, as Matthew would say, right? Duplicated again by the Egyptians occurs in, in Goshen where the Israelites live. Lice. Well, Seb was the god of the earth or the earth god of Egypt, not duplicated by the Egyptians, as I stated. Occurs in Goshen where the Israelites live. And this is attributed to the finger of Elohim. Flies. Uchit um, is the fly god of Egypt. Now he makes the separation between the Egyptians and the Israelites, and no more plagues come upon the Israelites. Hallelujah. Patah, Memphis, Hathor, and <clears throat> Ammon um, were Egyptian gods associated with bulls and cows. This is why they had to travel three days, travel away, because if they were to slaughter right there in Goshen, then the Egyptians would have stoned them. That's what they were talking about. But this affected property, the death of livestock. Um, boils, Sikhmet, was an Egyptian goddess of epidemics. <clears throat> Serapis and Imhotep were Egyptian gods of healing. Affects physical bodies. Pharaoh's magicians cannot even appear in the court. Newt was the Egyptian sky goddess. Isis and Seth were the Egyptian agriculture deities. Shu was the Egyptian god of the atmosphere, right? The prince of power of the air, basically right there. Historical uniqueness of such a storm in Egypt. Pharaoh confesses his sin, but later changes his mind. Serapa was the Egyptian deity protector from locusts. So he's basically mocking the gods of Egypt saying, none of your gods, none of your deities can protect you. You can cry out to them all you want, but my name will be exalted in all the earth and you shall know my name. You didn't know my name before, but you're definitely going to know my name now and afterwards right? This is when Pharaoh offers the compromise. Compromise is rejected. He confesses his sin. Then you have darkness. You have Ra, Amun-Ra, 
uh, Aten, Atam, Horus. These are all Egyptian sun gods that were worshipped. And then you have Thoth, which is an Egyptian moon god. It was dark in Egypt at midday. And apparently light was still provided for the Israelites in Goshen. Hallelujah. And then you have the death of the firstborn. This plague was a judgment on all the gods of Egypt. All of Egypt's gods, including Pharaoh himself, who declared himself a god, just like the Messiah will do and has, right? In Exodus 1, Pharaoh had killed the sons of Israel. Now Yahuwah kills the firstborn sons of the Egyptians, Exodus 11, 12. Pharaoh will now let Israel go, but he will later lose his army to death in the Red Sea, which we'll cover later on in Exodus chapter 14. And then also here's uh, some of my early notes uh, from last year. And then there's another little chart. But um, the last thing I want to leave you with is, of course, the ironic blessing. So Yahweh bless you and keep you and make his face shine upon you and show favor to you and lift up his countenance towards you and give you peace. Shalom.